I would have. It was your recommendation. What do you mean? You guessed. No, I know. Because it's like I had never seen it before. And like everybody, but everybody was like, oh, it's so good. And I never watched it when it came on. And it was really well critically received. And I was like, huh. And then we did the podcast. I was like, well, now it's an opportunity for me to finally watch this show. But like it wasn't, I mean, it was fine. You know what? Like my. It you know what to me it it's missing like heart, if that makes yes. any sense. Yes, yes, it was. It's missing like like a real heart, like a real like emotional, like I mean it's fine and everything. Like the what's the like I was like where's the heart? Like where's the emotion? Like where where's the feeling? everyone this is alex and this is M. welcome to the latest episode of the good the bad the basic this is the podcast for tv lovers movie buffs and binge watchers of all ages on this podcast we'll be discussing what we loved what we hated and what's just a bit problematic about the tv and movies that we're addicted to and do a bit of rewriting where necessary for much more exclusive content, become a show producer over on Patreon and get access to after-the-episode outtakes, curated playlists, movie reviews, music video retrospectives, and so much more. Join the GBB family at patreon.com forward slash good, bad, basic. Today we'll be discussing the short-lived ABC spy-fi series Marvel's Agent Carter. Featuring MCU character Peggy Carter, this series is about a young woman who must balance life as a secret agent in the 1940s. Agent Carter's superpower is how often other people underestimate her, which she uses to her advantage to save the world as we know it on numerous occasions. So what do we think of this campy action spy series? Did Marvel's Agent Carter deserve more seasons? Stay tuned. All right, everyone, here's some details about Agent Carter. The series is classified as an action, adventure, spy-fi, superhero, and period drama. It was developed by Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely. It's based on the comic book series Peggy Carter, which was created by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. The TV series was released from January 6, 2015 through March 1, 2016, on the ABC network for a total of two seasons and 18 episodes. The series stars Haley Atwell as Peggy Carter. She is an SSR agent, um, not to be confused with the USSR. Um, she is our protagonist, James Darcy as Edwin Jarvis. He is Howard Stark's butler and an ally to Agent Carter, and he would eventually become Tony Stark's tutor and the inspiration for the Jarvis artificial intelligence. Chad Michael Murray as Jack Thompson, a chauvinist war veteran and another agent of the SSR. Enver Jojak, I'm sorry if I'm butchering that last name, I don't speak that language. Um, Enver Jojak as Daniel, Desu Daniel Souza, a disabled agent of the SSR. And last but not least, Shay Wiggum as Roger Dooley, the SSR chief who oversees Carter, Thompson, and Souza. So the first season got eight episodes, which is honestly not a lot for ABC. ABC goes all in, <coughs> flash forward, when <laughs> they're doing a new series. But they were very tentative with this one. Um, so let's jump into that first season really quickly and talk about it. Yeah. So obviously Marvel's agent Carter was one of the, it was one of the first television beyond, you know, agents of shield. Uh, it was one of the, it was like the first sort of like wading into like the TV space to like tell more MCU stories and then to some like kind of use the like television to then connect to like the larger films. Um, in fact, that was the, that was supposed to be uh, agent Carter. Like had they gotten a third season, like they would have done like more to start connecting um, what was going on in the TV show to like 
the the other obviously huge films that were all sort of that were coming out and that we're watching or whatever. But yeah, Peggy Carter, Agent Carter, who is Captain America's love interest in the Captain America movies. Um and yeah, it was really critically well received. And I remember it had like a cult following, but obviously it didn't last more than two seasons. So Right. Um it's it's crazy how um how you can have these shows pop off and they have like a very large but very vocal um fan base behind them, you know? And um, for me, I had never heard of Agent Carter until Alex decided that um, it would be a good fit for this season. So I never heard of this show, never heard anyone talk. I just wasn't in the circles where people were talking about the show, I guess. But then, um, as luck would have it, I found out that Chad Michael Murray was on this show. So I'm like, let's do it. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I did not realize he was on this show. And I was like, oh, Chad. And like, you know, I love Chad. So... (laughs) I was excited yeah. to see him. And he actually does, like, a really good job. Right. He's, every, he's everyone's favorite white man. Uh, I don't know if you guys listened to our OC episode in the uh, white people problem season, but he was actually uh, given the role of Ryan Atwood, and he uh, later declined it to take the role of Lucas on One Tree Hill. And that's why um, Ben McKenzie ended up with the role later on. And the the casting directors later acknowledged that Ben was the better choice, um, ultimately, after shooting the pilot. <laughs> Don't ever sleep on Chad Michael Murray. Like, he's been on every show on the WB and CW at least, for at least one episode, every single one. That's true. And, um, <laughs> and he's never been... He's just really good-looking. Like, I don't ever think... I like granted I never really watched One Tree Hill, so I can't like but um which I think is probably his like longest work to date. But he's good in this. He's good. I was like, oh, like it's not like a lot, but like his certain like aura, his presence really works for this character. So Right. I agree. Chad Michael Murray is just really good looking. He seems to have gotten better looking with age and to his advantage, he's become a better actor with age as well. So it's all coming together for him. Same. That's what I was like. He's like, I'm like, he's really gotten, he's, he's a much better actor now that he's older. Good for you, Chad Michael Murray. Right? Like, don't ever rest on your laurels. Don't ever think you're too pretty to improve. <laughs> um, you're never too pretty to improve. But uh, but this is not the Chad Michael Murray show. This is about Haley Atwell, um, who I actually really like. I really like Haley Atwell. Uh, she is like a British actress, and she's done a lot of stuff. She's been in a lot of like weird stuff. Um, so I I really I mess with her heavy, and like and she's good in this. Uh, she's good in this she's show. Good. She's right. and she's generally like a great actress. Oh, she's um she plays uh what's her faces and listen, don't get it twisted. Like Haley Act Haley Atwell is like a veteran actress. Like she's she's been this bitch for like she's been in the game for a really long time. She was what's her face's best friend in The Duchess. Oh my god. I'm the dying. Duchess, Duchess, the Duchess. Um, Kira Knightley. Yes, yes, I remember that. Kira Knightley, she's Kira Knightley's best friend in the Duchess. Cause remember, like, she's like, cause Kira Kira Knightley like gets married to 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 Ray Fiennes, and then he immediately starts cheating on her with Haley Atwell. Child. Her her BFF. Okay. And she's like, How could you just be up here fucking my husband? She's like, It's not even that serious. <laughs> Child. Um, that's when um, you find out who your real friends are is when you get married and you get married to a philander. That's when you find out who your real friends are. And and Haley Atwell's character, Beth, is basically like, I'm not even, I'm just here to get money. Like, she's like, I don't even really fuck with him like this. Like, you gotta understand. Right. And I mean, like, if you know your best friend is poor and your man is wealthy and like, you know, he's for the streets. Maybe, maybe give your friend some money so that he won't proposition her. I don't know. I don't know. Um, you know, Beth was trying to like live, like be like ethically, like uh, non-monogamous, but like she just didn't go about it in the right way. And she did. I, I, and I always empathize with Beth because I understand what she's saying. She's like, 
this nigga for the streets. Like, I'm just right. here to, like... <laughs> I mean, do you want him sleeping with women you don't even know? Yes, exactly. And it's like, and she's, trying to, <laughs> she's really trying to tell Keira Knightley something. And now that I'm older, I understand it. Like, when I first watched the movie, I was, like, super young. So I didn't get it. But now that I'm older and I watched it, I'm like, I really understand her. I'm like, yes, bitch. Like, listen, she's trying to tell you something real. Like, she's like, listen... What, like, he has all this money, and I can be rich for the rest of my life, and you can be rich for the rest of your life, and we can do whatever we want, as long right. as somebody's always sucking that dick. Now, why would you try to fuck that up for us? It's for us. Like, it's not even about him. It's about us. And I'm like, that's right, girl. She really trying to tell you something real. And now that I, I think mean, about it... Alexa, play Belong to the Streets by Savannah Christina. <laughs> And now that I think about it, everybody who is in the Duchess, uh, except for Ray Fiennes, is actually in Agent Carter. Because <laughs> oh, that's crazy. Save for yeah, save for Ray Fiennes and uh, and Keira Knightley, like they're all because they're all in this in Agent Carter. Because um, Keira Knightley's like boyfriend person who she gets knocked up by mm-hmm. is in Agent Carter. Right, he, he is. He off. is. He is. <laughs> And now hit so many hit. people, so many people. So let's talk about it. <laughs> let's talk about Agent Carter. So the 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 show opens up in 1946, and um, you know it's it's like the end of World War II, and they're working for the SSR, which is the Strategic Scientific Reserve, which is a real thing that really existed. It might still exist, actually. I I need really? to check Was on that. It? Yeah, the Strategic Scientific Reserve was real. Um, <laughs> um, blew my mind. But apparently that's that's literally all they were. Uh, they were agents. They were scientists. They were trying to win this war by any means necessary. And then you throw in, like, all the stuff that didn't exist, like Rexon Oil. Good play on words, guys. And Stark Industries. And then you have a Marvel comic. Um, but... Uh, Peggy Carter, Agent Carter, is mourning the death of Steve Rogers, the parent death, because we know Captain America is very much alive. And she was his love interest. Um, But now she's moved on to new things. She's a single woman. Um, You know, the world didn't end. The the Nazis didn't take over. And uh, Agent Carter is still working for the SSR. So it's kind of really cool as a period piece because all of the attitudes of that time period, I think, are well infused into the series. I really messed with this pilot because I think it, 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 did, it did a good job. It could it have been a slightly better, yes, but I think it did a very good job of painting us this picture of this period piece slash dystopia. Yeah, like it's... Um... It's interesting, like, that you're like, it's a dystopia, but it's like, because it's definitively the show, which, like, I think is a good thing to take from it. But, like, the show, this first season, it's obviously, like, trying to be, like, a real, like, heroic, I think, story. Like, that's definitely the tone of the show. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's definitely what the, the filmmakers and the writers are trying to get across, that this is actually just, like, your, your comings and goings of, like, heroism of, like, whatever sort of imperialistic nightmare they're trying to sell us on um, today. Right. <laughs> and, um, and, and there are definitely like a, a callbacks like within the, within the first season. And then there will be so even more in second season to sort of these great old Hollywood films and having that kind of raw, raw, like really patriotic, tone which is interesting considering like the like in like um, America and like whatever which is interesting considering like she and our two main people are like British <laughs> but uh yeah well first of all shout out to the show because they don't assume that like I watch the movie they play like the clip at the end of the movie <laughs> they like intercut it uh, I, it, it was low-key bootleg but necessary as well thank you right it was like I was like this is kind of but at the same time thank you because I legitimately like I watch a Captain America movie from the 80s and I, I think I've watched like maybe two or three of these new Marvel movies and I literally had no idea who Peggy Carter was in relation to Steve Rogers none 
Oh, wow, none. None, none. I came in dumb as hell. Thank you for acknowledging that I didn't know anything. <laughs> and so they're like, oh, I, she's like, I will always love you, Steve. Uh, and so she's, we, we see her, like, the beginning starts with her, with them, like, you know, say, she's saying her final goodbyes to Steve and before he gets resurrected and then in like the Avengers movie and and she's just like mourning the loss of her her lover Captain America and so she but she's still got to get up and do her job and do stuff and that's what she does and so she, obviously she the war is over so she's trying to find her place in this organization post war and, you know, it's sexist, so it's hard. And her good friend, uh, Howard Stark, uh, a.k.a. Tony Stark's dad, uh, founder of Stark Industries, comes to her and he's like, so, you know all those bombs and shit that I make to, like, kill people? Can you believe somebody stole them shits? Crazy. Crazy. And now they're being sold on the black market. Mm. Uh, awkward for me. Can you, like, clear my name? <laughs> And she's like, okay. Right, right. Crazy. Um, so when the show opens up, I thought that was super interesting. Um, because this is the first time that I got in the real backstory about uh, Howard and Tony Stark's butler, Edwin Jarvis. Yeah. I just have so many. Like, sir, why are you a butler? Because, you know. You're like the smartest person here. Because he's, you know, a butler. I don't know. Like, he's butlering. He's doing butler This is like stuff. when Suki Stackhouse could read minds, but she's a waitress. Sis. The untapped potential, though. <laughs> We're talking about everybody except poor Peggy. Um, and this is part of the... This is one of the... This is one of the big issues that I have with the show, actually, now. Is that the Peggy character, and you brought this up before we started talking, doesn't have a lot of heart. She doesn't. Um, I think that pulls me in and makes me want to like really mess with sis and on that level i'm i'm more here for the ensemble cast same what they're doing same um i'm sorry peggy girl like and i hate I didn't, that <laughs> i didn't i didn't i never meant to 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 come to just be completely disinterested in the protagonists like this but i am and it has nothing to do with Haley atwell she is a great actress with what she was given um it's just that she is vastly underdeveloped and underwhelming. Yeah, like, it's so, yeah, there's something, there's a quality, there's something that's happening that this character is not, she's doing a lot of things, but she's not doing it. Like, and... Um, it feels very perfunctory, like, okay, this is her, this is what she does. Um, I still don't gravitate to her as a real person, which is... It's a necessity if you're trying to build a good series. Yeah, your main character has to. We gotta love the main character. Um, and it's and it's hard because and you know what? It's it's interesting. There's, you know, this is a show that was like written by a bunch of dudes. And to be honest, the Peggy Carter, the Peggy Carter character is like like a dude. If I think about it, she's like a she's like a dude. She's a guy. She feels uh, like a badly written guy, but still a guy, yeah. Yeah, a badly written guy, but like a guy still. And it's hard and it's and it's hard to watch. Like for me personally, it's hard to watch because the show is doing so much to get me to like her. <laughs> and I and and I do and I do like her. And I I really do. Like it's not like I don't hate her, but like there's also there's nothing there that is really making me want to like stick around for this character. And, and it's, yeah, it's just what I said earlier. Like the show doesn't really have heart, which is weird because like the show is actually really competent, not competent, but the show's good in, in all the other ways that really matter. Like the scripting is the plot for the most part is like pretty tight. Like the turns, the, the mechanisms, the, the sort of, the machine of it is working. Mm. The structure, all of it's going, all of it's working, all of it makes sense to me. But then I come to my main character and it's just like, okay. 
Right. And I think this is this is the show's Achilles. It looks beautiful. It feels beautiful. Um, the casting is really well done. Um, but when it comes to that writing, that's that's their their huge stumbling block. Um, the character is not written in a way that pulls you in. Um, makes you feel that she's a real person and makes you invested in her well-being invested in her achievements i'm just like okay well you know stop the nazis stop the russians but do i care about peggy on that level no right and and it sucks because like (laughs) um it like you said, like even like particularly this first season, this first season is very cinematic and you can tell that they plunged a lot into this first season. I mean, this first season really does feel like an extended like MCU film, to be honest. I mean, that score is like unrelenting. <laughs> right. Such a great score. I miss a good score. Like I love a soundtrack and I prefer a soundtrack, but if you're not going to give me that, give me something. So many of these shows are filmed in silence and I don't like that. <laughs> the, the score is unrelenting. The costumes are really great. Like uh, the way it's shot is very like, um, it's shot in a way that like the shots that they choose are things that I think we've come to subconsciously recognize as like, heroic she has all these heroic moments all these sort of typical heroic moments that you want from like um uh um from like a superhero they're all there they're in there but there's but there's no heart there's no heart to the show and then another thing in that first season that's getting me was like if these people bring up Captain America one more time like as the reason to like why she's sad I was like I was gonna fucking scream that and yeah which is like a which was the thing for me I was like they keep like thinking that like oh if like Peggy cries about like Steve Rogers or something like like that's somehow going to bring me as an audience member like closer to her emotionally like but no and it's like a running motif. Like there's like a radio program that mm-hmm. like keeps happening throughout the first season where it's like the Captain America program where like they just act out, you know, fake radio stories of like Captain America. And it's supposed to like elicit some sort of emotional response in me, the viewer. And it's supposed to elicit an, emo- an, an emotional response from her. And it does ish. Kinda, not really. And uh, it's supposed to connect to me, but I don't feel connected at all. I'm just not feeling anything at all. Mm. Same, same. I don't I don't feel resonant resonant with this character. And so as a result, I honestly understand why this show only got two seasons because it stopped feeling like a series where I am committed to these characters and I'm watching their progression, their growth, their evolution, and it just started feeling like a really long movie. Yeah, and that that is um and then also it's like the show also does something else like weird. And then the show does another thing in this first season and then it'll do it again in second season where it like can't decide if it like wants to take on real like life issues or not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like obviously Peggy is like disrespected like in her workplace via sexism. The sexism that's written in the show is very, like, after school, especially. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Um, I understand what time frame we're in. But um, I just don't feel like those issues would have been resolved in that way. I feel like Peggy might have had to, to, to muscle her way out of it. Or think her way out of it. She would have had to handle it like a Peggy or like a Joan uh see Mad Men um and not the way that the show presented to us. I mean and then it's also just weird because like from the jump the show is trying to be I don't think the show is trying to be that dark. It's definitely not trying to it like or that serious. Um and it's it's weird. It's it's because you know Peggy's our our can do it do it all girl like 
we're supposed to, she's supposed to just, she's the hero of the story. And it's just one of those things where I feel like it, the show doesn't know how to ride that line between the real and the fantastical. Cause all everything that she's doing anyway is very fantastical. So to me, it's like, why even bring up sexism? Like, why not just place this show in like a heightened reality, like all the rest of the Marvel properties. Right. Right. Yeah. Why this one? If you're not going to take the time to infuse something real into the character. Yeah. Like, I don't know why they couldn't think of other things to, to make like obstacles for her struggles for her. I don't know. She needed something. She needed something else. I don't know. She just needed something. There's just no, there, there's that, that certain je ne sais quoi is just missing from, from the show. Mm, yeah yeah same same and i think this is why like even with season two and season one they all they blur together for me right i mean the only reason why season two feels i think really markedly different is because like they're in a whole different location right they're like in los angeles which mm-hmm. i think is a mistake which from jump I thought it wasn't that was a mistake. I mean the show set supposed to be set in New York, right? Yeah, that first season is in New York. Right. And but we know and we've we we've talked about this circa Ugly Betty. We know when a show's actually in New York and when it's not. Right. And like that's fine. And it's like and that's the thing. And I guess that's the that's the maybe that's the overarching thing of the series of like why it's not clicking, at least for me, is because it's, okay, it's in, like, this fake New York, which we get, but that's fine, because, like, we understand that MC, like, MCU New York is not our New York, right? Like, it is Mm -hmm. a heightened reality. We're creating something fantastical. Like, you know, people do not... (laughs) drink super serums and then become like, you know, super muscly, you know, ready to fight people overnight. That's not, none of this shit is real. So like bring me into this world, like, or let like make the, make um MCU New York definitive, you know, like make it like definitive, like, what is it about this world that's so markedly different from my own to like sort of take me into, into this journey with this character. Um, But they don't, she also doesn't like have any like friends until that one girl, the waitress. And even the waitress gets like pushed aside. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I wanted the waitress to like join the Scooby-Doo family and like get in on the action and also, I think with characters like Peggy, um, having a female friendships actually helps to develop their character, at least where the writers are concerned. In writing them a friend, they are able to write this person in a more multifaceted, multidimensional way. See Buffy and Willow. Right. And then, like, so when the friend came along, she's like, they don't utilize her. She's just sort of there. Missed opportunities all around. <laughs> Oh. oh yeah missed opportunities all around i think what well, ultimately but people loved it people really loved this show like people really really loved it like and i think sure like sure i get it like it's like i said there's a lot to love there's a lot uh otherwise that um that the show's doing really well but i do think um but i think it but it inadvertently exposes like the traps of like action narratives like you really have to action narratives like have to be tight but you also have to really know like the emotional core or like emotionally like what you're trying to say to the audience or else like they they get really flat really quickly Yep. And yep. And I think part of the writing where the writing went wrong is I understand that she is a strong, independent woman, but leave that one of the guys shit at the door. That's where the character was lacking. 
because you wanted to make her one of the guys. Oh, mm, that's a good point. That's a good <laughs> point, right? Because she she does. She tries to be like, she's one of the boys. Like, they just don't get that she's one of the boys because, like, they're sexist. But I'm like, but, like, she's not. Like, she's a girl. And that's cool. And that's a vibe. Right. Like, I don't know who needs to hear this, but you can have male friends. Hell, you can have solely male friends. And if you identify as a woman, you are not, in fact, one of the guys. Sorry about it. You can be a whole woman um, who has mas- who has male friends and, quote-unquote, masculine interests. Um, and if you identify as a woman, you're still a woman. You're not one of the guys. You're not one of the guys. And I, I think it's telling that no matter how many female friends a man has, no one will ever say that he's one of the girls unless they're mean it in a disrespectful fashion. Yeah, there's just, there's something there. There's like, yeah. Listen, all I know is that like, and we've talked about this a lot. I think we've talked about, and we've talked about this with peop- women, like screenwriters we've interviewed and we've said, like, we can tell when, like, a woman is being written by a man. And mm. this is one of those, like, chief, chief cases. Like, it's so obvious that, like, this female character was written by a guy. Because he doesn't quite understand the way that women work. All I know is that when men write women that are supposed to be tough and cool, they always end up writing them like men. Because that's how they see themselves. And they don't see the quote-unquote average woman like that so they basically wrote peggy as not like other girls <laughs> right like <laughs> and she she's not like the other girl she's like a cool girl like and yeah that's how peggy comes off and like they don't and that's and that's another thing like that's why they also can't get to like her emotional core because like they don't really know what it is they think like the only thing that women are like emotional about are like dudes and that's why Captain America, that's why Steve Rogers is na- is his name is like brought up like every five seconds in every episode. It's like chill with which, it. Like which like high key undermines our protagonist because this is not the Steve Rogers show. Right? That was another thing. I was like, Steve isn't here, he's dead. Like <laughs> Right. Well, she thinks he's dead, which is the same thing as him actually being dead in her world. Right, like, he's dead in this timeline. Like, in this, like, he won't be alive again until she's old. And and I think another thing is, is that, like, when men have, like, when men are, like, it's interesting that they have her, like, mourning him, like, throughout all these episodes. But, like, when men, like, have a girlfriend or a wife or whatever in fiction, in television, that, like, dies, um, they do not spend this much time mourning her. <laughs> That's true. Like, the only person who went this hard, and his girlfriend wasn't even dead, he just couldn't be with her, was, I think, Deadpool? All these others who just went on, like, rampages and, like, destruction of property and violation of other people's lives in their quote-unquote grief. Right. And then, you know, uh, or that, or they just, like, you know, um, you know, uh, binged their feelings. But never never any of this that we're getting from Peggy. <laughs> Right. Never this. Never whatever's happening with her right now. So, um, so yeah. So the, so yeah, so the first season, but first season generally is just like, so there is this big plot to like where Howard's, Howard Stark is like on the run. And so now she is like working with the SSR to investigate him, but she's also secretly behind their backs like conducting her own investigation to clear um his name to clear howard's name and uh she does it the by the end of the season i think we find out like she clears his name and everything is like great and um we like we get some like and they're all like oh because like there's like a bigger threat called like Leviathan and we all and everybody like figures out and Leviathan is like I don't know it's like it's like this Russian asset who is like brainwashing like brainwashing people or whatever and 
they, you know, she, we figure out the brainwash and she like, you know, defeats the Russians and then it's all, it's all hunky dory and everybody is like, Hey Peggy, you did such a good job. Right. Um, Peggy is written just so clunkily that I'm going to give season one a basic, it's a basic for me. Every, the other elements of the show make sort of make up for this. It's visually appealing. The score is really great, like you mentioned. Casting is on point. Um, I'm giving it a basic. Same. I'm going to give it a basic as well uh, because it is. Like, it's everything else is, you know, we're talking about what we're talking about. But everything else, like, for the most part, it's working. Like, there aren't, mm-hmm. like, it's it's pretty solid. Like, you know, there are some weird stuff in there like once it gets to like these like russian agents or whatever the russian spies like there's some clunkiness there but no more so than any like i think first season of a show um and it's all it's all it's you know it's good it's working it's it's fine but it's it's just missing like we said it's missing that i think elusive uh ephemeral component but yet is so important, I think, to any story that you're telling, which is, which is heart. Right. I mean, if you had to choose between visually appealing show, great score, great casting, and just, um, really great acting and characters that you can, um, you can, you really feel a connection to, everyone's going to choose the latter. You can make up for a, a poor budget. You cannot make up for bad writing or bad acting. In this case, it was it was mostly the writing. Yeah, it's mostly the writing. It's yeah, I agree with that. Like, if something's written really well, if it's really tight, uh, if the like and it's and the emotional truth of it is of the story is there, um, then. I, I can forgive like bad shots and like, or I can, it's fine if it looks cheap or whatever, that, that doesn't matter. I just, but those other things have to be really, really good. And yeah, that's it. So season two, season two, which is the final season, apparently season two had like a huge drop off in like a 2 million drop in viewers. Mm-hmm. Uh, going into season two, but season two is, it's like Peggy in Los Angeles, which I felt was a mistake because I still didn't feel like I knew what, who Peggy in New York was, particularly mm-hmm. Peggy like in New York without Steve. Cause I wouldn't stop mentioning Steve's fucking name. I wanted, oh, so annoying. <laughs> I wanted to see like another full season of like, okay, now, now that Peggy's like, finally put Steve to rest like in this final episode now what is like now who is she now like in New York on the town New York City single gal over her dead boyfriend like new adventures what is that like and instead of getting another season like full of that like they were like oh what if she's in LA and I I I don't know it was fine but I thought it was a mistake I think it's a mistake too. And I'm I'm not saying that LA didn't exist in the 1940s. That's not what I'm saying. Also, like we have just also it's just like the first season we've set up all these characters like um you know, not just, you know, how not just Howard, like like yeah, like Howard uh Howard like Jarvis, like we have her friend from the coffee shop. Um she's living at this like subsidized housing place with all these different girls and this crazy, like, and this super crazy ultra religious, like super, like give us fun. Like you've set up all these characters in this very specific location that we want to see more of. And then like, you immediately like put me in another place where like all those people are gone now. So like, I, we can't even tell like news stories about, all these really interesting, fun people that you've set up. Like, right. Changing the setting of the show is, is almost like, um, changing protagonists or adding a new character at the 11th hour. It just doesn't make sense. The setting is a character in and of itself. The setting of your show is a character. I wish more people would understand that. 
<laughs> like it's just as intrinsic to the core group as anything else. Take Buffy out of Sunnydale, for instance. We did that like when she was on her little morning phase, and then she came right back two episodes later, right? Right, um, and then that's the thing. Like you can do it for like an episode. You can even do it for like a seat, and like you can. I wouldn't even say like it's wrong to do it for a season, but for like a season of a brand new show, that is like right, a lot. right. I mean, we couldn't even take Carrie out of New York, really. That lasted like two episodes as well. Um, the characters' relationship with their surroundings is just as real as their relationship to the other characters. Um, like, like all the great shows that you think about would have been completely different shows if you change the setting. Let hell, even Gilmore Girls, for example. Gilmore Girls was set in New England, right? Um, where you had where where Lorelai lived in Stars Hollow, and then where you had where her parents lived in Hartford, Connecticut. Would the, the it have even been the same show if they were an a quote unquote old money couple living in California? Like that's not even a thing. Nobody in California had money for more than going back more than four generations. Right. And like, yeah. And it's, listen, and like, it's fun. It's fun to put like character, like characters we love and like, we know in new settings for like a, sh- a short period of time, but it has to be like a short period of time. It's definitely not characters like that are brand new that we just got introduced to not even for like a full series order. Right. This, it's, it's only been eight episodes. Like, right back then when you're doing it, like these people had like 13, 15, 22 episodes and we got to know these characters over 22 episodes. And then you put them in a new setting. Like that's a completely different thing. Um, and so it, it is strange. It's weird and it's strange and it, it doesn't work. And it's, it honestly reeks of panic. This is something like, like throwing in a new uh, supporting character or changing the setting is something that I have seen a few shows do. But one thing that I've noticed that they all have in common is that um, maybe the ratings weren't where they needed to be for the first season. The budgeting wasn't where it needed to be for the first season. So in a panic, they make this bold move to try to rustle up more viewers and it always reeks of desperation. Right, right. And that that's I think that's uh definitively in the case of season 2 and and I I really hate it. Like I hate, I hated it because it's like um like we just got here. We just met these people. <laughs> like and now you want to put me in a whole different city. Uh, uh it's just uh I mean it's fun. So second season is about it's like, oh, there was like a, there was like a wanna, not all men. So there's like a not all men character at Peggy's job in the mm. first season. And like the not all men guy, I don't know his name. Don't ask me his name. Um, I just describe him as not all men. Cause he was like, I guess the only, like, he would be like, Hey, you guys don't like treat Peggy that, that way. That's mean. Uh, and they'd be like, who are you? dude are you talking about the disabled agent yes yeah that's agent uh souza okay so agent souza um is his move to los angeles and and that's the other thing it's like we had all these like peggy's boss chad michael murray we had all these great characters that were like fun and interesting and like they're just like oh no they're in new york (laughs) like and then halfway through season two they have to like figure out a reason to get them from New York to Los Angeles. Like, right. When you could have saved 15% or more by just moving the whole crew to Los Angeles. <laughs> or you could have just stayed in New York. You shouldn't have moved. Right. Like, or, I mean, I'm just saying, if you're going to move, you have to move all of these supporting characters with you. Because at this point, if you just, if you, if you change the setting, you remove all supporting characters and all we're left with is a protagonist. You're literally building a new show from scratch at this point. You are, you're building a new scratch. And that's what, and that's, exa- but then that's exactly what happens. We get like, we basically get like a new show from scratch. Like they're all, like there's like a new, like phone girl. There's like a new, there are all these new people. And I'm just like, I did not sign up for this. Like, 
No wonder viewership dropped. I would have dropped this show too. There's this random black scientist dude that happens who, like most black people on white shows, immediately becomes like a ghost for reasons (laughs) and Mm. dies for reasons. Like, (laughs) it's just, it's doing a lot. Yeah, it's like, and that was the other thing. It's like, I, when I was watching this, I was like, I know y'all did not really think, and I I don't mean this to be mean to the fans, but like, I sort of, when I was watching it, and I I was like, I know people did not really think this show was going to get a third season. Like, because look at the mess of second season. They really did, though, because I, I'm, I, I read a few tearful comments on like fan boards and stuff like that. Um, people were really disappointed. I'm like, you cannot, I ref- I personally refuse to stand any show where the writers clearly don't know what they're doing and they can't make up their minds about what direction they want to move in. Pick a lane and I'll follow you. I'm not going to walk off the cliff with you. <laughs> and that's what the show was heading off a cliff. The second season is, I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, I guess it's fine. Like, you know, the whole, it's a, it's like Peggy in LA and she's there with, you know, her, tr- her trusty sidekick Jarvis. Jarvis is definitely like a highlight of the series. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> um, he's kind of my favorite uh, with her trusty sidekick Jarvis. And, you know, she's, you know, investigating basically this like, I don't know, like dark matter, like spacey superhero sciencey thing that's affecting this these people and like this actress, you know, absorbs it and she, this white woman, and then she decides I'm gonna rule the world with my new black sludge that comes out of my fingers, and that's the second season basically, and then Peggy has to like defeat the the black sludge lady. And they do, with the help of their dead black ghost friend and um, her trusty sidekick and this, and like the the disabled veteran played by an actor who was clearly not disabled. Right. Yeah, there was a lot of faux pas here. And I just feel like um, things like... Uh, you know, roundtable meetings, series bibles, um, um, women in the writer's room, um, hiring disabled actors. We could have gotten through a lot of hurdles. That show might have been on its fourth season by now if y'all played your cards right. It's just so whatever. Like, I know, I know that like people, like people are like, oh, it's a season three is needed, but like, is it? It's not. The show's not good. Like, it's not it that good. I mean, the only way you can stand this show is if like you just stand everything MCU, then it's quote unquote good by that based on that criteria alone. Otherwise, no, it's not doing it for me. It's not hitting any of the right notes. Um, the show is great if you just listen to the score and don't watch the show or you watch the show on mute. And listen, it like, and I want to say like this, this show is all the things that I love. Like it, this show really is like, I love a great female protagonist. I love a female protagonist that like punches and kicks stuff, which like Peggy does, which is great. Like I like, you know, they're solving mysteries every week, but it's missing something really crucial Mm. Mm. Um, yeah that's something crucial would be relatability um most shows find a way to make you care about their character in some way whether you love that person or hate that person and that never happened like i just never saw it for peggy i really do want to be kind because i don't i don't necessarily find like I don't really find any male characters like relatable. So I don't necessarily, so that's not, and I can like a show where I'm not necessarily finding these characters relatable, but I do have to find something. I don't know. There just has to be that, some, that ephemeral something there and it's not here. 
Right. I didn't I didn't like any listen. Um costume department, y'all did what you had to do. Uh, cinematography, great. Score, great. Casting, great. Hair and makeup, perfect. Um the even the the plots of the various episodes and the overarching plot of each season, decent, decent, decent to good. But that writing, you can't I can't overcome that hurdle. I'm sorry. This was a, a woman who was written by men for men. Yeah, but like I I mean, I'm not like against a season three, like if Disney Plus wants to like take up that mantle. Now that, like, they're doing that, like, obviously, WandaVision came out. WandaVision was fine. Uh, I have thoughts about the Monica Rambeau character. Um, That uh, was, I think, misused. But um, for the most part, like, it was was fine. Like, but uh, so I guess, like, with new people behind it, and if they could figure out, I think, a way to find that emotional truth. And I think that's what it is. Like, I don't, that's another thing. It's like, I don't know that the series really knew what it wanted to say. I think, like, the series is just like, was like, right now, like, um, the series was just sort of about, like, girl boss, like, girl boss feminism, girl power. Mm-mm-mm. Whereas it's like, it, it didn't really know what it wanted to say about like something bigger. And I think that's also like part, partly the issue. So I think if it could find that, um, that part of it or find that a way to do that, it, you could bring it back. But for the most part, it, um, it's whatever. I'm giving season two a bad simply because they changed locations in that very, uh, abrupt, fashion that they did and they left the team behind for like several episodes yeah that was a bad that was a bad choice straight up i'm sorry i have to give season two a bad i'm giving it just like a basic because like once again like all these story mechanisms the 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 machine of the thing is working like even though we've switched locations even though i mean i don't like the switching locations i think it's a mistake still but like they've switched it this story, the plot is coherent. Like, you found a re like, I don't like that they've dropped the the New York characters, but you found other people to fill them in. Okay, like, for the most part, it's working. Like, but um, it's not, I, it, I don't, it's also just not, like, it's not a continuation of that first season. It's not building on anything. It's, it's wanting to start new, and I don't think it can start new. It's it's just basic. Yeah, I I, I can see that. Like I said, um, I thought season one was basic. So then then they downgraded by changing scene scenery, um, leaving the team behind and trying to like make me reacclimate to a whole new show. I wasn't feeling it. You guys were not doing enough and you had me doing way too much and i don't like that <laughs> tvs make watching television fun again i'm i'm glad y'all liked it i'm glad it you know for the people that really felt like this did something for you like you felt whatever i'm sorry the show got taken away and listen um, this is one of those shows that honestly was so basic that it really is like reboot material do it, it again, really do, it is. Right. do it again, do, do it, it again, right. Do it right. <laughs> Somehow the Marvel TV stuff, the Marvel TV TV properties just can't can't that dog can't hunt. Like Oof. Cloak and Dagger, Runaways, Inhumans. I haven't seen Cloak and Dagger or Inhumans, but I will say that Runaways looks like a triumph comparison to Agent Carter. I'm sorry, y'all. I'm real sorry about, but Agent Carter really dropped too many balls. Juggle some of them. You have to keep some of them in the air. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It seems like it's just, it's, it's, it's hard. So, I mean, shout out to y'all. Y'all, y'all, you know, no shame in like trying. Like, you tried. That's a vibe. Um, 
It didn't it didn't work out. Looked really pretty. They looked really good. Like um I love a good period piece where the people are styled period appropriate. It's hard to mess up the 40s, but it's still really nice to see people dress in like really appropriate 40s attire. I mess with Same. It. I was about to say it's really hard to mess up the 40s. It's it's uh, yeah because like we have like so much photographic evidence <laughs> we have literal films that were <laughs> filmed in the forties it's really hard to mess that up um, it's bare minimum but they still look, everybody still looked really really good yeah um, so apparently like so then so then the show's canceled and it's funny apparently this show was like the show ABC canceled the show because they like were like this isn't it only to take Haley Atwell and give her another show <laughs> and then cancel it again in its first season isn't that horrible poor Haley. right right and I, I honestly feel like sometimes we punish good actors for choosing bad scripts or bad shows and we need to we really need to differentiate between whether or not something was a success or a failure because of the writing or because of the acting because sometimes it's both but very rarely is it both and I don't think good actors should be punished for bad writing. <laughs> well, like, of course. Well, like, yeah, you know my stance on that. Like, I believe, like, I'm always, I always feel a type of way when, um, because I, like, I firmly believe at Emmys, like, the people who should be nominated for acting awards should be from bad shows. Because, like, that's a hard thing to do. It's a hard thing to, for an actor to overcome bad writing. It's so hard. It's so, so hard. And the actors who do it deserve more commendation. Because it's easy to be it's easy to be a good actor on, like, a, on a well-written show. Because it's all there for you. All you got to do is, like, show up and, like, react. It's right. hard. You don't even have to give a great performance. You can just give a good one. Yeah, you can just give, like, a good one. But, like, when the, sh- when the writing is bad... And now you as an actor have to like find something out of the bad writing. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> like you, you really got to be that bitch. Like you've got to dig deep and figure some shit out. And when you can do it, like it's gold, it's gold. Like nobody can touch you. And that's a, cause it's a much harder thing to do. Shout out to Haley. Shout out to the girls. Shout out to Dominic. What's his face? I think he has this show on. Um, Haley Atwell's a good actress. She's just, you know, she's gonna, I'm sure she's fine. I'm sure she's had a lot of projects since then, which she has. She's gonna be, she's like in the Mission Impossible stuff. Good for her, girl. Good for her. Good for her. Cause I, listen, I don't, I just don't want the kids to struggle because, um, the writers dropped the ball for 18 episodes. (laughs) And um, she was in like yeah, she was in a bunch of stuff. She was in a, she was in the, she was in Avengers Endgame because like she gets like Steve when like Steve travels back in time before he looks like Joe Biden. Mm-hmm. He like he like travels back in time to like be with her again, even though he fucked her her daughter. That's weird. That wouldn't that wouldn't have been a choice that I made, but okay. Right. That was weird. That, that, was that weird. whole thing was weird. <laughs> that whole plot point is weird. But shout out to shout out to her. Shout out to them. The show isn't that good, you guys. I'm sorry. And there you have it, folks. This is everything that we think made Marvel's Agent Carter good, bad, basic, and exciting. If you'd like to check out the series, Agent Carter is currently streaming on Disney+. If you've enjoyed this episode of The Good, The Bad, The Basic, be sure to share it with your friends. And if you're a member of our Patreon, be sure to check out our Agent Carter playlist. Tune in next week, where we'll be keeping the strong female lead season going with part one of our discussion on the groundbreaking English language telenovela Jane the Virgin. Jane the Virgin is currently streaming on Netflix, so be sure to get into this series or go refresh your memory. You don't want to miss out on this conversation. The Good, The Bad, The Basic is currently streaming on all major podcast platforms, so be sure to tune into our regular weekly episodes on the go. Leave us a review on your preferred platform and share our weekly episodes on your social media. Please follow us at the Good Bad Basic on Twitter and at Good Bad Basic Pod on Instagram to get in on our daily content. 
Also, be sure to follow our SoundCloud page, The Good, The Bad, The Basic, where all of our weekly episodes debut first. If you love this sort of content and want more, become a show producer and patron on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com forward slash good, bad, basic. Your support allows us to keep bringing you our regular weekly episodes as well as exclusive bonus material. Until next time, bye everyone.